It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Go big or go home. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Nats Insider Podcast for another week. And what a weekend it was at Nationals Park. The Ryan Zimmerman jersey retirement ceremony, inducting Zim into the Ring of Honor. So much fun over the last handful of days. And we're not done talking about Zim just yet. Had a chance recently to catch up with a former teammate of Ryan's and a former minor league manager of Ryan's. Let's start with the former teammate. Adam Eaton came over to the Nationals in a trade before the 2017 season. And it was a big trade. The Nationals sent Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Dane Dunning, to the Chicago White Sox, they got back Adam Eaton. And he played a big factor in the Nationals getting that first ever World Series title in team history. Battled some injuries along the way, obviously, but was a big contributor on that title team and played for a number of years with Ryan Zimmerman. So I wanted to catch up with Adam about his time as a National, reflect on some positive memories, some good times through the 2019 season, and talk about the grind that he went through to get back from that terrible injury suffered in 2017, as well as share some you know, memories that he has of playing with Zim and let him talk about number 11 a little bit. So let's play that interview for you now. Adam Eaton played with the Nationals for four seasons and a World Series champion. Here's my chat with the Nationals outfielder. Adam, how you doing, man? Living the dream. I get to talk to you guys uh, today and a beautiful day here in Michigan. So I can't beat it. I'm excited. Yeah, you're living the retired life now. You're back at home in Michigan with the family. Uh, First, before we dive into everything, all all the good memories and all that stuff, what are you up to these days? What's life like for Adam Eaton at present? I am busier than... I was when I played. I So today, I'll just put it in perspective. I got up at um, 5 o'clock this morning. I had a morning skate for hockey. So I got a little skate in this morning, play a little, uh, you know, drop-in hockey. Um, once I got home, uh, we're putting a slide off of our deck. It might be one of the worst ideas or the best ideas I've ever had in my life. So uh, it's about our deck's about ten and a half foot high. So I've been hanging off the side of the ladders all morning trying to put this uh, this slide together. Um, I got uh, couples golf tonight with my wife. So nice, nice day planned. And uh, you know this weekend we got hockey with the boys and football with the boys. So it's it's a little bit about me, you know, with the the drop in hockey and the couples league with my wife, and then a lot about the family, you know, with uh, trying to keep up with the kids' sports and and you know what they're into. Sounds like a good balance. Are, are we plotting a return to professional sports in the NHL maybe this time? <laughs> if you come watch me skate, I think that's a definite no. <laughs> um, you know, that's, it, uh, I have such high respect for hockey players. You guys all know that. And um, now that I've been able to really 
give more effort to it. You know, I try to skate between two and four times a week. Um, I haven't picked it up as quickly as I'd like, but it is so enjoyable. The group that I'm with is just so enjoyable. The hockey community is great. And, uh, I've been, I've loved every second of it I'm involved every second of it. That's great. Uh, and, and happy to hear the family's doing well. And our guy Braden is, is, uh, cruising along with youth sports as well. Um, Adam, there's so much that we could talk about. Uh, it, you know, it feels like you were a national forever uh, because there were so many moments over the course of your time in a Nats uniform, obviously the good and the bumps along the way as well. But I, I want to go back to the, the start of your nationals tenure. You got traded to the Nats before the 2017 season. You'd been with the White Sox. You'd had some success there. And that trade kind of came out of nowhere, at least from our perspective here in DC. When you reflect back on it now, that moment where you found out you were joining the nationals organization that off season, how did that hit you? And, and uh, what type of mindset were you in coming into a new organization here in DC? You, you know what? I love the city of Chicago. I went back to it. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy the Midwestern feel, you know, it's only three and a half hours from my home here in Michigan. So um, be, me being a homebody to leave there um, was, was difficult just to leave Chicago, but I was so excited to join the tradition that the nationals have really upheld, um, you know, for the previous, what, four or five years, you know, getting to the playoffs, um, you know, trying to get out um, of those first, you know, those first round, uh, um, you know, bouncing out first round. So I was so excited to join, you know, the likes of Jason Worth and Ryan Zimmerman, Bryce Harper, Max, you know, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, the, 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 the greats that I was joining go, go, you know, far um, down the line. So I was so excited to, to play with those guys, um, indulge, you know, in the city that DC is. I hadn't been there since eighth grade and it was a park that, you know, you and I actually discussed when I first got there that I never played there. Yeah. So, um, you know, leaving the city of Chicago was tough for me being a Midwestern guy, but I, I, it was a step up coming to the East coast and coming to DC and, and, uh, the organization, um, I can't say enough about, you know, it's truly, um, the tip of the spear when it comes to organization. So, you know, I, I, I love the transition, loved coming in with a new group of guys, it's such a talented group that was ready to win right now. And, uh, as you guys know me, that's all I care about is winning. It's all I want to do is win. And, uh, so it was, it was enjoyable to, uh, to come to the East coast. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. You guys knew that you guys, you guys could see that. And Adam, you got off to a phenomenal start your first month in a nationals uniform and, and things were really clicking. The offense was rolling. And then you suffered that, that heartbreaking injury. And um, I, I distinctly remember that moment being in the camera well next to the dugout and seeing the guys carrying you down the steps. And that, that led to, a, a period of, you know, we've talked about this a bunch over the years. I don't think you even knew when you were rehabbing that initial injury, how much stuff you would have to deal with for, for an extended period of time. Um, when you look back on all of that now, what, what thoughts do you have about how you aggressively attack that rehab, how you thought you were back from it. You weren't over all the hurdles that you needed. Like how, how does that time of a couple of years live in your brain? Exhausting. Yeah. Very, very exhausting. Um, yeah. The, the injury that I had, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't know about it, but it was bad. It wasn't good. It wasn't like a, Hey, here's an ACL. Here's a meniscus, you know, here's this, here's that very, it was not a good injury. 
Um, you know, once I was able to come back, um, Hervey and a doctor to said they were surprised that I made it back. And I told him, I'm, I'm glad you told me that now because, because in the state that I was in, when I had that injury, I don't know if I'd have taken it. I would have tried to take it as positive as I can, but it just, it wasn't a good injury and very exhausting. You know, um, you go to a new club and you start off on the right foot. You love the guys you're around. You're, you're going to compete to play in the playoffs. That's all I wanted to do my whole career. And then to kind of have that derailed um, mentally, just taxing. Um, and then to come back and start kind of fly, kind of flying off the shelf right off the, the bat, you know, having the first week that I had and then, you know, coming home and then having, you know, the ankle injury, um, you know, versus the Mets, like I said, again, it's just exhausting. It's like, man, I've worked my absolute tail off to get to where I am and, uh, want to help the team win. And really at the end of the day, that's all I want to do. I want to help the team win. Um, and you can't do that when you're on the shelf. So, um, just knew that I had to get back. Had to continue to work. Seth and Greg and Paul and the whole medical staff. Whole, I mean, I, I owe them my life, honestly. Um, them talking me off a ledge multiple times and, and keeping me going, keeping me strong. And, um, you know, get me back on the field is, is you know, just a, a, such a big credit to them. Um, so, like I said, coming into a new team, wanting to make an impact and then having that injury. Uh, I think I'll look back on it from my own standpoint that I grew a lot as a person, Mm. um, you know, when you take baseball away, you kind of find yourself, um, you know, I tried to help out the younger guys the best that I could. And that was something that I never really did much of because you're so busy when you play every single day. Um, you come to the ballpark ready to hit this righty that's throwing this, this, and this, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you're kind of very much in a, in a zone, um, every single day. So when I was able to kind of step back from baseball, and, and see these guys are having, you know, this issue or this trouble or they're doing this or this is how I can mentor this guy. Um, it was enjoyable. It was very enjoyable. And, and uh, I think that's what I'll really take away is that, um, yeah, it was tough. It was very exhausting, but I was able to kind of step away from baseball and kind of help other guys out in any way, shape or form. And, and, you know, now I'm back in, in Michigan and I had the, um, I had a you know great chance to help a high school team out for the spring and, oh, nice. and um, you know kind of reflected back to those you know the seventeen and eighteen when I was on the shelf and trying to help and mentor these guys. So uh, like I said, I, I a lot of growth there, lot, exhausting growth if I could say that in a, in a sentence. It was that's well it was, summed up. It was, yeah, it was quite a year. <laughs> yeah. So you come off of that in seventeen and eighteen, and then twenty nineteen happens. That that magical run. Before we get into, you know, all that happened in October, I guess coming off what we were just discussing, because you had never played in the playoffs before until 2019, and because you had gone through all of those uh, bumps in the road over the previous couple of years, how much sweeter did that make the 2019 experience for you? Yeah, it was, it was super sweet, honestly. Um, yeah, the win the World Series after everything happened was like – couldn't have written up for me and my, in my standpoint of how, you know, just as a selfish, you know, selfish standpoint, you know, you, you, you know, I was with Arizona that we were 500 went to Chicago, just didn't go all the way we was planned, fortunate enough to get traded, get injured. And it's like, man, this could have been my chance. Like you don't get, you don't get many chances to even play on the playoffs. You know, I, I had to wait till what year seven, basically in the, yeah, year seven to play on the playoffs or year eight. I can't even remember, but it's like, you wait that long just to get your chance. And like I said, when you get banged up, it's basically two years in a row and, and in 17, don't even get to play in it. You get to watch it, which is even more, 
I wish I was a thousand miles away watching on TV. It was going to be way easier than me sitting there watching these guys have, a you know, the, the blast that they, you know, the fun that they had, but to, you know, accumulate all that and then come in 19. And again, the group of guys, I can't ever stop saying that because those guys made every, every day worth it to come to the park. And uh, even when we were struggling, we, um, and it, it sounds cliche, but we still, we just knew we had something right. And we had knew something, we had something special. And you guys knew that coming into that, because, you know, when the, the sky seemed to be falling around us, um, we all, you could see our frustration, but you knew that we were still there. You know, we were all still there together. It wasn't right. like the, the clubhouses were splitting, but um, yeah, to raise the trophy up. And I think you could see my emotion when I did raise that trophy up that the last two years have actually been, you know, AT double hockey sticks and to be able to just, um, you know, raise that trophy up, play in the playoffs, be able to make some type of impact as well. You know, again, all I want to do is win and all I want to do is try to help the ball club win in any way, shape or form. And, and to be able to have somewhat of an impact during those playoffs, um, not always with a hit or with a walk or whatever it may be, was just, it's good for my soul, good for my brain, good for my, you know, my heart, you know, and uh, knowing that all that, work and all the work that the team put into me as well was was worth it you know at the end of the day and somewhat of an impact is certainly understating it in the world series you hit 320 with two bombs and six driven in so you made more than somewhat of an impact for sure um <laughs> I, I ask all the guys from that 2019 team that i've talked to uh over the last couple of years this question and you know maybe fans are tired of hearing me ask it but i'm sure they're not tired of hearing the responses what moments from that run, distinct moments stand out in your head as ones that are especially meaningful to you or that just kind of resonate a, a few years later? Well, it was Zim. I think Zim, you know, getting that big hit in the wild card game, he pinched it for me. And I think, again, just selfishly, just me being my body and Zim going up, pitch it, getting a hit. Um, it just, I mean, I, we want that so bad for Zim. You know, even when we got to the playoffs, you know, in the back of our minds, everyone's minds like, man, we have to go deep for Zim because Zim has been here forever. Man, this guy deserves it. He is, he is, you know, folklore. Like he is, I mean, Mr. Mr. Nat. I mean, so it's like, we got to go deep for him. He gets that hit in that playoff game. And then he hits the first homer in the world series. Um, I think again, how he hit in his home run, um, which one? Which, which well, one? Well, yeah, it's true. I think all the Howie home runs, honestly. <laughs> uh, Dodger Stadium was huge. Uh, you know, I, I think if all of us are real with ourselves, that, I think those are the two best teams. I, for me, the Dodgers were so, so loaded. Like, everybody that came out of the pen were throwing 98-mile-an-hour sideballs. Um, every pitcher was just unbelievable. Like, when you can t sit there and say Kershaw may not have been – you know, maybe been the third guy or the fourth guy. <laughs> like that's like that is how loaded you are. Like he's a Hall of Famer, like instantly. He's you know one of the greatest lefties to throw it all the time. And he's like on the on the back shelf, kind of not not an afterthought. I don't like saying that's about Kershaw, but like it just shows you how good they were and how loaded they were. And I think if you ask that team, even if they were on different teams, they would agree with me. So Howie's home run versus the Dodgers, Soto's home run versus the Dodgers. Um me being a small ball guy, I hate that all the home runs are big, but when you're facing again, 98 mile hour guys that throw four pitches, those instant runs are huge in the playoffs and they're hard to come by. You see a lot of teams that it's hard to come by. So Howie's home runs, 
Um, and Zim's home run, uh, you know, in, in the World Series, of course, Mr. Nat gets his, the first home run as a national in the World Series. Just just poetic. You know, you can't you can't draw that up. You know how hard it is to hit a homer. You know how hard it is to hit a homer in the World Series. You know how hard it is to be the number one draft pick from Virginia, very right down the street, have all the pressure in the world to go out there and hit one over the fence for the first one. Like I said, just can't hardly uh, – couldn't draw it up any better. That's well put. Uh, Adam Eaton with me now. And you, you talk about Zim, and this is a nice transition, Adam. This is um, a big couple weeks here in D.C. as we're celebrating Zim getting inducted into the Ring of Honor. He's having his jersey retired, first national to have his jersey retired, and certainly the right guy for that honor. And you shared those memories of him in the World Series run, but you were around the guy a lot. You spent a lot of moments with him in that clubhouse. It, Take, take fans behind the scenes a little bit into who Ryan Zimmerman is as a guy, as a teammate, because they know him a little bit. They've watched mm-hmm. him on the field. They've seen him in the community, but you guys know him, you know, the real human. So yeah. tell fans, what, what is Ryan Zimmerman like as a teammate and as a, as a guy? Well, as a baseball player, he's just a pro's pro, like same day with Howie Kendrick. He's just a pro's pro. He does everything the correct way. He comes to the field. He's never late. Um, so he says the right thing. You know, uh, needs a pat on the guy needs a pat on the back. He gives a pat on the back if he needs, you know, needs some fire underneath him. We give him some fire. Zim just does it all. Um, in the clubhouse, he he has somewhat of a dry sense of humor. Yep. Um, it's uh, hard to put your finger on. He'll be very quiet when there's banter going on, but he always seemingly has the right little touch. Like, like you know, it'll be maybe me, Howie, Soto, and Trey talking. Okay, so you got it. Like I'm right in the middle and time wise, you got Howie, which is, you might as well put a crown on him. So does a baby and Trey's getting there. So like I said, there'll be some banter going on back and forth. And all of a sudden Soto will say something that's a little too far, a little too far of a reach. Like, okay, pump the brakes. And that's when Zim would usually use this humor to kind of come in and, and uh, all of us will kind of, you know, our heads will jerk really fast. Cause when Zim speaks, you listen and Zim will say it. And it's like, he'll say the most, like, it's like I said, most dry, in his own way, it's hilarious, and we'll just break up the monotony, and we will almost forget what we were even discussing just because Zim kind of intervened at the right time. Um, I always tell people, too, like, uh, you know, during the parade, when we spoke at the parade, we talked about the mic, you know, you know, bring Anthony Rimdome back. Of yep. course, there's there's a lot more to it that Fans I don't want to get into. Yeah. But I, almost, I didn't return the next year after the World Series because of it on the plane. But the mic is, was a huge, a huge thing for us. It was always um, storytelling and, and, but Zim was actually the mic for the majority of 19 until he had, I think he had a hamstring injury, a hip injury, whatever it may be that kind of set him aside for a couple of weeks. And um, that's where I kind of took over, but you know, what is you go from me, you go from Zim to me on the mic. It's very polar opposites. Zim's very quiet and reserved you know, throws the zingers and then you can't get me to shut up. So, uh, it, it, like I said, it kind of, it kind of pans out, but it just kind of gives you the polar opposite of what Zim is. But like I said, uh, a pros pro, um, a family man, gosh, he's a great family, man. That was something that, you know, I, you know, my kiddos and we talked about my kids, but kiddos are growing up and it's such a hard balance for family, um, baseball, and then having kind of a social life if there's such a thing in the big leagues, um, and, uh, he did such a good job balancing that. And I, I know a lot of guys, um, gave him a lot of credit for it. So, um, 
you know, I can't say enough about him. I really can't. And I know that you get anybody on here would have a hard time saying anything poorly about him just because he just does everything right. Um, he always gives the media just enough. You know, he always has good things to say about people. He uh, he can he can kind of walk that tightrope where he can be a little edgy at times, but it's just enough where it's not going to get him in trouble. Um, he's just done all he's 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 done a lot of things correctly, and and uh, I learned a lot from him. Well put, uh, Adam. Last question for you, and then I'll let you get back to your busy life of hockey and <laughs> couples golf and building a <laughs> building a slide and daddy duty and all the things you got going on. Um, you love the game of baseball so much. And like you talked about, your family is incredibly important to you. And you got a great setup back there in Michigan that I, I know is important to you as well. I'm curious how you see yourself, you know, and your interests and professional interests moving forward. Do you have designs on getting back into the game in some way on a professional level? Or are you content with, you know, you've done your your time in, in Major League Baseball as a player and that's that's it. And now it's time to, you know, kind of live the, the good life away from the game. It's a good question. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure yet. Um, I've had a, it's been very um, uh, uplifting that I've had a, quite a few offers from different organizations to come help. Um, and again, family's so important. You know, there's some rumblings of like coaching jobs, the big league level and minor league level. And, and uh I don't know why, but when I look my six-year-old in the face and say, Hey buddy, I'm not going to be home for 210, 240 days out of the year. Yeah. It's very difficult for me. Um, especially when the last 12 years, including minor league baseball, just I've been away. Um, so for right now, we're, um, taking a little break. We're taking, taking a breath of fresh air. I'm going to let my wife get tired of me, let the kids get tired of me. And we'll, we'll see, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind working for the nationals, you know, um, a lot of, we've had some correspondence here and there and, and uh, I'm hoping that I don't allow those offers to get too stale, but uh, just stale enough that, you know, again, I can enjoy my family, um, enjoy my time at my house and um, um, you know, try to get into routine a little bit, but um, baseball has been more than enough for me. I mean, in a sense of just giving it, you know, baseball has given a lot to me. It's been very, very good, if you will. For very, me. very good to you. It, yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, if, if I would never depict, we would even be talking, you know, I, a 19th round draft pick, you know, we go through this all the time. I just had no business being where I was. I had no business playing next to Bryce Harper and, and uh, Michael Taylor and, Anthony, you know, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Zimmerman, like just to rub elbows, just to even meet those guys would have been something for me as a, as a 21 year old. So uh, to have the career that I did, and the way it ended, it is the way it ended. And uh, like I said, I'm very content with it. And whatever comes my way in the next year or two comes my way. So we'll, we'll feel it as it comes. Well, Adam, we love you, man. We love you in D.C. And you're going to be a big part of this organization's history for the entirety of this organization. So we hope to see you around D.C. Don't be a stranger. Come on back. Bring the family. And uh, we'd love to spend some more time with you. But uh, so glad that you're doing well. Please send your family uh, all of our best wishes and give them a big hug for us. And uh, really do hope to see you again sometime soon, buddy. I appreciate that. Appreciate the opportunity to sit here and chat with you. Don't hesitate. I know I'm long winded at times, but I enjoy talking baseball and uh, I love trying to stay in the loop. So don't hesitate to ask. Uh, like I said, we get on here every now and again. it will be fun. Love that. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. We'll be right back. When 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. All right, so we heard from a former teammate of Ryan Zimmerman's. Now let's hear from a former minor league manager of Ryan Zimmerman's. Randy Knorr was the first guy to ever manage Ryan Zimmerman as a professional ball player. Zim, a first-round pick of the Nationals, number four overall back in 2005. The first minor league affiliate that he went to was the Savannah Sand Nats, managed by Randy Knorr. And longtime Nationals fans know the name Randy Knorr well. He's been in a number of different roles with the organization over the years. Currently the minor league catching coordinator after spending last year as a first base coach. He's been a bench coach. He's been out in the bullpen. He's been all over the place. And I wanted to talk to Randy about his Ryan Zimmerman memories from those very early days in 2005. He's got some great stories to tell. You're going to love this interview with a phenomenal guy and a guy who's known Ryan Zimmerman since the very beginning of his pro career. Nationals minor league catching coordinator, Randy Knorr. Randy, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great. And yes, he is one of my favorites. How could he not be? I mean, he's one of everybody's favorite. Um, Randy, you knew Zim before pretty much anyone in the Nationals organization knew Zim. You were his first professional manager. You were with the Savannah Sand Nats, I believe the team was called then. Is that right? Yeah, it was the Sand Nats, yeah. So you were the skipper of the Savannah Sand Nats, which was a ball uh, back in the day. And Ryan Zimmerman, the first draft pick in Nationals team history, came to you on his first stop on his very brief minor league uh, (laughs) tenure before he made his way up to the bigs. First of all, just tell me what your initial interactions were like with Ryan Zimmerman. This was a first round pick. This was a guy that was having huge labels put on him by then general manager Jim Bowden was talking about him being one of the best third basemen he's ever seen. Um, so there was a lot of hype and pressure around Zim. What what do you remember about him from the very early days? Well, that, that's funny you bring up Jim on that because um, when we, we drafted Ryan, he, he took, I think he had two weeks off. He had personal issues he had to deal with before he came to us. So we actually had a day off before he showed up and, so Jim called me and he said, hey, uh, Ryan Zimmerman is going to join you guys. And when you talk to Jim, you got to put the phone way out here because all he does is yell at you all the time. <laughs> so he's yelling at me, say, you know, Ryan Zimmerman's coming. You know, he's going to play for you for a few days and you got an off day. I see you got an off day. You know, we need him to work out before. And I'm thinking, man, well, I haven't really had an off day in like 50 days. <laughs> you know, it's like, he goes, you better have some guys there. and He's going to be the best third baseman you've ever seen. I said, all right, well, you know, I played with some good ones, Caminetti and Groover, so we'll, we'll see. So the first day on the off day, we get out there, Ryan shows up, and the first thing I noticed about him, he's the most humble person I've ever been around. Like, we had some guys, other players there, so he didn't feel like he was there by himself, and he just blended in. You didn't, even, you thought he was there the whole year. So I said, listen, why don't you go take some ground balls, uh, and then we'll hit, you know, get you going a little bit here. Well, we didn't have the best grounds crew 
ever, you know, in, in Savannah. So I, I told Mark Great, I go, hey, maybe we should go over there and rake that area a little bit, you know. So, so I think your best third baseman, first ground ball I hit, he missed. Uh, so I got another ball, I hit it to him again, he missed it again. And I kind of looked at our hitting coach and went, oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, so he he catches the rest, of and the field's terrible anyway. So we made a joke about. It. Then he hit, and you could really see it when he was hitting, like you know, a ball just jumped off his bat, and so. Next day we play and, you know, I'm trying to loosen him up a little bit. I don't really know him at all. I'm trying to get to know him. He's always calling me coach. I'm like, would you stop calling me coach? That's a college thing in college. It's coach in pro ball. You're the manager. Yes. Yes. Or you call the hitting coach by their name or whatever. I'm like, would you stop calling me coach? You know? (laughs) So then uh, he goes out there and the first game he strikes out twice. He pops up and he gets, you know, jam shot to short. So I was trying to loosen him up a little bit. So after the game, he's walking in, and I said, hey, Zim, come here. He said, hey, coach. I'm like, God, would you stop? And then uh, I said, uh, hey, by the way, how much did we pay you? You have a signing bonus? So he gives me the number. I go, wow, we paid all that money for that? Like then he kind of looks at me. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> so I walk away. <laughs> so, you know, I, you, everybody knows the story. The next two days, he goes like three for four with a homer. And then the, uh, that game, we're sitting there, and um, – Mark Grader sitting next to me as a pitching coach. Well, they hit a ground ball over the third base bag. It was first and second. Well, he dives, catches it, steps on the bag, and throws the first for a double play. I looked at Grader, and I said, wow, man, that was pretty good right there. And Grader goes, what's the big deal about that? I said, because our guy would have dove for it, and if he would have caught it, which he probably wouldn't have, he would have stood up and threw it in the stands. So I think this guy's going to be pretty good. And um, so years later, I remember when I was a bullpen coach, um, I ran into him and their group there at the hotel bar. And I said, uh, so he called me in. And Ryan goes, you remember what you told me on my first day profession? I go, no, I really don't. I couldn't remember. He goes, you asked me how that he said, you've made me feel like they overpaid me. <laughs> so I said, he goes, that really bothered me. <laughs> stuck with him all those years. Yes. So, but he was just so humble. Like he puts everybody in front of him, you know, and it was just great. I, you know, I got a chance to see him in the big leagues, just watching him play and just a phenomenal player. And he, I mean, look what he's done. He's one of the best clutch hitters in the game. He, uh, you know, he basically has a hat trick. He was an all-star. He was a gold glover. He won a world series, you know, you can't ask for more out of him. And just, he was a player of the team. I mean, he was city guy, Washington nationals, baseball guy. And I mean, just, and he never changed who he was always humble great player, took care of all the young guys that come in. Uh, he's a leader, you know, quiet leader. You know, I see him going around talking to guys. He wasn't very boisterous or vocal about it, but he played, he, he liked to show how, you know, by playing, that's the way you should play the game leadership wise. And it was just great. He's always been, like I said, he's never changed. And God, it was just a great career. How, how much do you, I mean, you've been around so many players and a lot of really good ones in your playing career, in your coaching career. How, I mean, how, I don't want to say fortunate or lucky, but how much do you appreciate getting to have those memories of this guy from those very early days? I mean, you have experiences with him that almost nobody else has. Well, actually, I I use him quite a bit in my travels when I was managing, now that I'm doing the coordinating stuff. He, I don't know if anybody knows, but he came down and he talked to a bunch of our young guys and they all asked him, you know, 
how do you hit in those situations? You know, you're so successful of getting big hits and everything. He goes, well, I don't make it any bigger than what it is. It's just another at bat. It's just, a, it just happens to be that moment. You know, if I don't get it done, then I don't get it done. It's not like it's the end of the world kind of thing. And I don't go in it thinking that I'm a fail, but it's good to hear that and have the younger guys think that because they all stress out about it. And I just use hard work. Like he worked hard to get where he's at. And I use that when I talk to other players about it, you know, and uh, just having good at bats. Uh, he has a plan when he goes up there. He just doesn't go up there to swing. He knows what he wants to do. And, and unfortunately for him, he was like that early. It takes guys years and years to, to right. do that. As a, I remember Bill Buckner told me, Bill Buckner was a great hitter. Yeah. And he told me, he said, it took him 10 years in the big leagues to learn how to hit. I mean, and that's saying something. This guy was a tremendous hitter. Hmm. And you look at a guy like Ryan is, from day one, he was, I mean, great at bats. Like I said, big hits to win games. I was there for his first walk-off in, at ORFK against the Yankees. You know, I mean, it's he's just done so many phenomenal things. And it gives me a chance to use him with, with the younger players. Randy, you mentioned um, all of these, these traits that he possesses, uh, the humility, the leaders, the quiet leadership, the, the leading by example. All of that teams together with the fact that he was a high draft pick. He's, you know, got everyone wanting a piece of him. In your experience and all of your years in baseball, how rare is it that a guy with all of that fanfare, all of the fame, all of the money, all of, you know, the, the focus on him possesses all of those traits that you would maybe expect from the last guy on the roster or, you know, a guy that's battling a backup catcher maybe or a guy that's that's wanting to to try and get everyone to like him so he can stick around. It seems to me like you don't typically get the superstar face of the franchise players that possess all of those characteristics that you, you want everyone to have. I think it's his upbringing. Um, his, to me, his parents did a tremendous job, you know, raising them. Um, he doesn't put anything above what he is or what he can do. And, you know, he's like that guy where, and he's so talented where you go, He'll walk by a guitar store and go, huh, maybe I'll just play that. And then a half hour later, he's playing Stairway to Heaven or something like that. You know? <laughs> or you take him out fly fishing and he's never done it before. And then, you know, an hour into it, he's catching the most fish. I mean, he's just, yeah. he's talented. And I think he's always known that he was going to play. Um, but you you think about it. He wasn't even thought of out of high school. Right. As a, you know, so I actually use that with our, our scouts. And hmm. I said, you know, we got guys down to lower levels or in the Dominican, you know, they're so young. Why do we get rid of them when they're 18? I mean, Ryan Zimmerman was 18 years old coming out of high school. No one interested in him. And now he's the number one or first round pick, you know, after three years of college. So, you know, just what he's done. And, 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 and it's like, like I said, the biggest part for me, it's just, he's never changed. He's so humble about, you know, and it's not like, when you talk to him, he'll talk to you about it. It's not like, oh, get away. Ha, ha. No, he'll talk to you about it and say, oh, you know, it's just like his whole way he goes about life. You know, he was, I guess he surfed. I remember him saying, he went surfing. I go, aren't you afraid of sharks? He goes, eh, it's your time to go. It's your time to go. You know, so I'm like, that's just well, his mentality a, with everything. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. It's, if you're not well. in the water, it's not your time to go. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Randy Knorr joining me on, on Nats Insider, Ryan Zimmerman's first pro manager and a guy that's, that's known him for so many years. Um, Randy, I, I want to ask you a question that I, I haven't really, I, I've been doing a lot of these interviews with guys, former players, coaches, et cetera, about Zim. 
I don't think that I've asked this of anyone, but you know, you knew Ryan as a third baseman when he was coming up through the system and he was an excellent third baseman at, at the major league level. He won a gold glove. We all remember the charging plays, the sidearm throws. He was, he was a wizard over there. And then he has the shoulder issues and you know, I, I don't want to put the, the word on it, you know, the thing, but he was unable for a while there to, to throw the ball across the diamond with any regularity. And that could uh, crush some big league ball players. But, oh, yeah. But he battled through that injury. He tried his best to stick at third base. And when it wasn't possible, he went over to first and played a hell of a first base the rest of his career. So you were there through, you know, parts of that process. What do you remember about Zim through that and how he came out the other side? I, I, when I saw him, and Jim was right, he, I, he probably is the best third baseman I've played with. Caminetti was tremendous too, but Zim's feet, the way he moved his feet over there were just, I've never seen it done before. He would move his feet in, in ways to, to get balls off certain hops, and he, he just, he was tremendous. And I think when he hurt his arm, he, he had to change so his arm wouldn't hurt anymore. And he was trying to come back, and he was trying to come back too fast. And sure, you could say it's a thing or whatever you want, but when you when you do something your whole life throwing a certain way and you have to change that, sure. it's very difficult. And it starts to wear you down a little bit. It wears on you. And, and he was fighting through it. And he could never get back to the slot that he wants before. So, and and I credit to him because he battled through it and he stayed with it. And, you know, and then for our benefit, we moved him to thir- our first. And then he's like a go-glover over there too. So, uh but for him to do that, it's in baseball, it's really difficult to do something for a long period of time and then change an arm slot or or even a swing, a, a change of swing because you have something wrong with you. It, a lot of guys can't recover from that and they'll walk away from the game. But he knew, I think in, in, his, in his mind, he knew that during that time that we were going to win a championship at some point and he's going to fight through it because he wanted to be a part of that. And he also knew that even if he wasn't playing third, he could move somewhere else. He, he felt like he could still help the team. At first, he knew he can go over there and pick the ball and, and help guys out in the infield. He is always doing stuff to help other people. And he knew that if he can get the bat in the lineup at some point, we were going to win a championship, which we did, and he fought through it. And a lot of guys can't battle. They'll walk away from the game because they, you know, ball players have a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. And when they don't play at a certain level, they won't do it anymore. You know, because, you know, he's done it so great for so long, and then all of a sudden – you know, he don't want look at this guy. This guy was so great. Now, look, he can't can't do this or can't do that. But in his mind, he's like, I don't care what people think. I'll move positions. I'm going to stay with it. We're going to win a championship. And that's what happened. And he was a big, big part of our championships. Yeah, of course. And he even played a little bit of left field there as well. I actually liked him in left field. I thought he was yeah. great. I was there. Yeah, I, I still remember <laughs> that diving play in Milwaukee, him coming in on that ball in extra innings. That was that was a hell of a play. Uh, yeah, like, why don't we leave him out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, hey, maybe he comes out of retirement. New, new left fielder. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Randy, you're in a new role this year, um, and I, I just wanted to pick your brain on. You know, you were a catcher at the big league level and a darn good one, and you've you've had a number of different roles within the Nationals organization. I mentioned a, a, just a few of them. Now you're the catching coordinator throughout the minor league system. How are you enjoying this new role? Getting hands-on work with all of the nationals catchers throughout, you know, up and down the system. I, I love it, Dan. It, it's awesome. Um, I was very disappointed last year at the big league level, standing at first base, watching balls go off the backstop, back to the screen, nobody blocking the ball. And it, it 
doesn't matter to the game now, which is sad, but it matters to a catcher. Like, I mean, you got, it's a very prideful position, you know, catch the ball. Don't let the ball. It's like embedded in me. Don't let the ball hit the backstop. Your job is to stop it. Catch the ball. Don't drop the ball. So I kind of went against the grain a little bit um, down here. I, I still battle with it, but I don't care. But, you know, I want them to learn how to catch and be catchers first. And then as they move up to the higher levels, if, if you choose to put them on a knee because you think it's going to help you get a pitch or two here or there, that's fine. But if, if I do that at a younger level, if, like I'm down here in West Palm, if I have my catchers on a knee with the, the way the pitchers throw here, they throw the ball all over the place. You know, right. you call a pitch away, they throw it way inside. They throw it off the grass. They throw it over your head. So if I put them on a knee, now I got a guy that can really catch, but now he can't catch because he's locked in to such an area now he starts missing balls, and, I'll, and people come and watch him play and go, oh, this guy can't catch. No, it's not that he can't catch. He, he's not mobile. He can't move. So I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to learn how to catch first, and we're taking – we're not going to get as many strikes as these other guys that are doing it, but when they learn how to catch, they become good catchers, and they're athletic, and they move, and everybody comes in and say, wow, this guy can really catch. They move up. Now they get to AAA or the big leagues. If they feel like it, it makes us better as a team to be on a knee – you can always go to a knee. That's the easy part. But, but you got to lay the foundation, right? Yeah, let them be athletic and show people that they have good hands and they're athletic. They can move. They got good feet. You know, they can block the ball. You know, and then people like take interest in, wow, this guy's really good. You yeah. put him on a knee down here and the balls are going back to the backstop. Ah, oh, this guy can't get it. Well, maybe you can. You know, not everybody plays in the big leagues, but you can give them a chance to maybe. But I love it. It is great. Uh, just to go around and help them out. And, and it's fun. I, I, I really enjoy the younger guys. And, and I, I watch the games all the time up there. I, I, I like watching Ruiz and they're both doing pretty well. Him and uh, Riley, I think they're doing a nice job up there. And, and I think Ruiz and both of them are going to just get better and you're going to have a good, a solid tandem there. Randy, last question for you. And then I'll let you get to the, uh, the game that you got going on down there in West Palm here in a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, you've been with the Nationals organization forever. Um, simple question, I would imagine complex answer. What does the Nationals organization mean to you? It's family. It's home for me. Um, I started my career here. I finished up with the Expos as a player, and I was hired here as a coach, a manager at first. And um, I can't tell you anything but the greatest things about Rizzo. He's really taken care of me over the years. Um you know, I was up, I've been up and down in the Bay. I feel like I'm a player that's run out of options. And I've been <laughs> <laughs> but he's always sent me down to positions where he thought I can help the organization. One year I came out of double A or big leagues. I went to double A because we had all of our prospects. And then the biggest thing is when my wife Kimberly passed mm-hmm. after the 15th season and they let Matt go and they let everybody go that night. Uh, Riz, we went out that night and he said, I want to give you something where you can kind of get your affairs in order. And, you know, he gave me two years. It was a uh, – I'm in charge of the staffs in the minor leagues, assistant to the GM, and uh, gave me a chance to get organized. And and uh, I, I'm in debt to him forever. I'll do whatever he wants for him to do that because it's – that time of year, it's so hard to get jobs nowadays. And for him to take care of me like that, I'll do whatever he wants me to do. And so it's family to me. He's like – he takes care of me. I, I love being here. I love working with the guys. We have a great staff all throughout. Uh, uh, the owners have been great for me. I've, I've really enjoyed them as well. I know there's rumors that they might sell the team and that's going on all over the place, but uh, 
that'll be a sad day because they they've been really good for a lot of people here in Washington that's worked for them and and I understand the business part of it but uh, they just I can never I have had people asking me why I don't leave I say I can't I it's my home it's my family they you know we have guys come and go but we do still have a core of guys here that have been here for whatever you know a long time me uh, Bobby Henley you know Spin's been here a long time you know a lot of them down greater. here greater you know, Garber. So a lot of us have been here for a long time. It's a core group. And we've been really successful in the minor leagues building it. Last year was a really tough year for us. But, uh, you know, this year is going on really strong. Our teams are really doing well this year. And I think we're finally getting some talent to come through. And it's so, so enjoyable to watch. You know, we're still a, bit, a little bit too low for you right now, Dan, with the talent, especially position player wise, but they're coming. They're coming. You're putting in the hard work. Uh, we know that. And we love you, Randy. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy you're you're doing well and enjoying the the catch and coordinating for the organization. But we miss having you up here at the big league level and I miss interacting with you on a daily basis. So I really hope to see you sometime soon and wish you all the best, man. And thanks for taking some time for me. Dan, thank you. That means a lot to me. I, I, I do miss the big leagues, but I really am enjoying myself down here, too. Good. I do miss happy to hear it with you. <laughs> happy to hear it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. That'll do it for the Nats Insider Podcast this week. Thanks to Adam Eaton and Randy Knorr for joining me on this week's episode. Have a great week, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the Zim ceremonies. And stay tuned next week. We're not done talking about number 11 just yet. Some more memories of Ryan Zimmerman are yet to come. Have a good one. Go big or go home.